Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. Going today to the book of Acts chapter 2 for just a few moments. Acts chapter 2. And uh, it's an honor to be back here with you today. It's always an honor to get to preach in Orange County. And man, you look good. And you heard the announcement. That was breaking news by Pastor uh, uh, Jake. What's his name? Jake. Uh, and uh, he, he had breaking news. He said that we're moving back into the sanctuary on June the 13th, two services. And it's going to be amazing. Y'all are a little behind everybody else out here. We've been doing that for about six months back in Georgia, but, and we're still alive. Amen. Praise the Lord. And we're going to make it. How many of you know we, we don't make light of what we've all been going through? We're going to make it. We're going to make it. See the light at the end of the tunnel. Look with me quickly to Acts chapter 2. Start my time right now. Acts chapter 2. Verse 23, him being delivered by the determined purpose. Everybody say the determined purpose. And foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless bands and crucified and put to death, whom God raised, having loosed the bombs from the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held. The, the King James, I think it is, says it's not possible that, he, that hell should hold him. So important. Then David said concerning him, and I want to go down to verse 27 for, set, for, for sake of time. For you shall not leave my soul in hell, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have known me and, and you have known to me the, shown to me the ways of life and you will make me full of joy in your presence. Verse 27, you will not leave my soul in hell. I don't know if it's going to rain or not, but if it does, don't worry about it. It never rains in California. <laughs> Acts chapter 2 is talking about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what would happen between that time when Jesus himself would be carried to hell and there he would snatch the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And the writer prophetically, it was David who originally wrote this text in Psalms. And now the writer Luke of the book of Acts is repeating the promise from the book of Psalms that he's going to go to hell. He's going to go through hell. But it's impossible for him to stay in hell. And God will not leave him in hell. And that's a powerful thing. I'm in hell, but I'm not staying. God uses and promises that not that you will not have disasters, not that you will not have train wrecks, not that you will not have problems and issues that seem insurmountable, that make you feel like you're in an emotional hell or a physical hell or uh, some kind of situation that if you were to describe it in one word, you would say, this is hell. But notice what he said. He said, 
It's not possible to keep him there. And he will deliver me from it. The devil didn't take Jesus to hell. His destiny did. It was Jesus' purpose to die and go to hell so I wouldn't have to go and you wouldn't have to go. And here's the power of purpose. Notice the word purpose in this text. The purpose was so powerful that it could override death. It could override disaster. It could override destruction. It could override a crucifixion. Thou will not leave my soul in hell. What a promise. God leads you to hell, but he will not leave you in hell. That's just how it is in life. You're going to go through it sooner or later. The devil can't keep you there in spite of what you feel, in spite of what you think. In sp if you are God's child and you're in his hands, you're coming out. There's more to you than money. There's more to you than position. There's more to you than reputation. There's more to you than title. If hell strips you, will anything be left? What if you become a millionaire in reverse? Can you still shout? Can you still, there's something more to me than what you can see. More than money, more than anything I have. I have a rock that is unmovable and I can stand and I will come out of it. That's what this text is saying and promising for every believer. I don't need to raise my voice like that. I know what it is to be afraid. I know what it is to be out of options. I know what it is to have my back to the wall. The higher you go, the less stuff you can take with you. The higher you climb, the more you've got to strip down for the journey. We want to go high, but we want to hold on to all our stuff. Don't mistake God's silence for God's absence. I think the thing that I struggle with is when I know God can do it. With the snap of his finger, he could do it. But he doesn't. He's just quiet. When I need him the most, he's quiet. That's because you need sometimes more than deliverance from God. And you need God is, you need to understand God is not your escape from reality and problems. He never promised it. But he is a friend that will take adversity and use it mightily and transform it mightily to take you to the advancement and the place that he has prepared for you. I've often heard preachers preach, and I've done it myself, that when Peter was locked in jail and was going to be executed the next night, Herod had him in jail. This is in Acts chapter 12, and he was going to be beheaded. And the church prayed, the Bible said. They had a prayer meeting. And I've heard people say that their prayers got Peter out of jail or hell because we're talking about what to do when you're in hell. And I, I don't mean this disrespectful. I'm sure prayer helped 
But it was not the prayers of those faith-filled saints that got him out of that jail. Because when he showed up free by an angel and knocked on the door, they wouldn't let him in. They said, we're not looking for a miracle knocking on the door. We're just praying real hard and crying real bad. So what got him out? Why was he not killed the next day? Why, how did he get out of that jail? It wasn't their prayers. It was his purpose. Because a prophecy had been spoken by, by, by Jesus that said, when you are old, then they'll bind you. And he must have had a mirror in that jail cell because he looked in the mirror and he said, I don't have wrinkles. I don't have gray hair like Jensen. So I tell you what, I'm not old yet. Therefore, the Bible said he laid down on the night before his execution and slept so soundly without ambient that the angel had to hit him three times in the side to wake him up and then scream, get up. He was sleeping, snoozing in the middle of his hell because he, he knew my purpose may bring me to hell, but it won't leave me in hell. God will deliver me just in the nick of time. Clap your hands in faith, even if you don't have faith to believe for that. Clap in faith right now. Mm. Please listen to me. Romans 8. We know that all things work together for the good to them who love God. Here's the key. And are called to the purpose of God. The purpose supersedes the problem. The purpose of God was in place before the problem ever arrived. Why would I quit? Because the purpose of God was established before the problem ever showed up. When you understand that, you understand that heaven and hell are after your faith. Heaven saying, don't give up, have faith, have faith. Hell is saying, give up, give up, have no faith. But both of them are after your faith if you're in a crisis. Jesus said, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. Listen to me carefully. Faith will not stop you from falling. Faith will make you get up again. And he's saying, I know you're about to take a fall, but my greatest prayer is the purpose was there before the problem and all I need you to do is hang on to what I'm promising you. When I fall, not if, when I fall, I shall arise again. Satan works for God. Satan is an ex-employee who was fired for non-performance. If Satan comes with a problem, it means the purpose was in place before the problem was ever around. And he's just using the devil, one of his employees, to test you and to advance you and to help you get to the place that he's preparing for you. This is not hype, feel-good stuff. This is the promise of God's word for every person going through the fire. Your trouble is not your enemy. 
Philippians 1 and verse 6, he who began a good work in you will complete it. And there's some stuff God will not explain to you. He will never explain it to you. He'll ne- if I could just understand why, he'll never explain some things to you. But you're going to have to faith it. He didn't say any weapon wouldn't be formed. He said no weapon formed. He's acknowledging there will be weapons formed. But he said it'll be formed, but it'll not be fulfilled. God told Abraham in Genesis 15, I'm going to make you great. And I'm going to make your name great. He said before that happens, you're going to go through something that you're not going to believe the children of Israel are going down into bondage and they're not coming out for 400 years, but I'm going to make a great nation out of you and I'm going to make your name great. He said, the thing I'm going to use to make you great is trouble. When Jesus Christ was born in Luke 1, 26 and following, the angel Gabriel showed up and said, Mary, you shall have a baby named Jesus. And then he says these words that we read right over. And he shall be great. Future tense. I don't want to mess with your theology. But if he shall be great one day, it means in his present form, I know he's the precious son of God clothed in flesh, but he's not great yet. He shall be great. How's he going to become great? What will get him to greatness? Trouble, attacks, betrayal, stress, strain, suffering, a cross. That's what will make him great. Going to hell and surviving it. Here's how you get great. What made him great was he would not let the poison of what he went through get in his spirit. Jesus called Judas friend. Read it. He said, do what you need to do. Telling him, I know you're about to betray me. And he called him friend. That messed me up because I saw where he called Peter the rock. He said one time, you're a devil. He called Peter, Simon Peter, a devil. And he called Judas, the man who betrayed him, friend. How can you do that? Because anybody who helps you kill your flesh and your dreams and your desire to get you to God's dream and God's desire and more of him and less of you, they're your friend, even though it doesn't feel like it. I was crying the other day, God, what about my name? He said, lose it. You want to be like me? I made myself of no reputation. Quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. <laughs> if you're going through something, you're coming out of it, and you're going to be a better person. Turn to somebody right now and say, I'm going to be a better person. I mean, I'm going through, but I'm going to be a better person. And isn't that the goal of God in our life, to make you the man, the woman, the person that he's called you to be? Shout it out loud. Shout it to hell. I'm going to be a better person when I get out of this. Woo! 
hallelujah. Somebody on the back row, stand up and just say, I'm going to be a better person. I, I don't even like who I am right now. But when God gets through with me, I'm, I, 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 I'm, a, I'm, I'm in the potter's hands. And he's making me a better person. Glory. And now the phones are being called 911 all over the neighborhood. Complaints are being registered. They're too loud. You're going to get better through it. Did you know that Zechariah 13 and 6 said that I'm going to use your wounds to make you what I've called you to be? And the question was asked, and who gave me these wounds? And he said, they'll come from the house of your friends. It's not people way out there that can hurt you. It's right in the house. What I want you to see now, and I'm coming to a good place in this message. The Lord willing, I've never preached it before. It's the first time I've ever shared any of this. But I'm enjoying it because it's the truth. Psalms 66 blew up in my spirit a couple of weeks ago. And it says this in Psalms 66 in verse 10, for you, O God, have tested us and you have refined us as silver refined. Verse 12, you've caused men to ride or rule over our heads. We went through the fire. Everybody say, yep, check it. I'll check it off. Did you, did, has that happened? Have you had men try to rule over you? Somebody tried to do something? How many of you had a problem with that? Check that box. See if you qualify. You laid affliction on our back. Check that box. We went through the fire. Check fire. We went through the flood. Check water. Flood. But notice where it's going. He says, but you brought us out. Hold it. It doesn't stop there. But you brought us out into our wealthy place. Our place of abundance. If you're going through the fire and you're going through the flood, it's not to leave you there. He will not leave my soul in hell. It's to bring you out into a wealthy place. I'm not talking about money only, although he can restore fortunes. I'm talking about wealthy in relationships, wealthy in joy, wealthy in grace, wealthy in impact and anointing and purpose and power. Glory to God. And that's called heaven too, by the way. Maybe if you didn't go through what you went through or your children or whoever, they wouldn't make it to heaven. They're headed to a wealthy place. I wrote this down the other day and I'm going to declare it in the devil's face. I am on my way to being a greater preacher because of the things that the devil has put me through. I'm on my way to, to a better preacher. I don't know what you are, but I'm on my way to a better person and a better preacher. And I close with this. I wrote this down too. 
You ever get to mumbling and complaining? And I tell you, the Lord spoke to me these words, and I had to write them down. I put them in my phone first, and then I got to a place, and I, I write stuff down, handwritten for messages. The Lord said to me, you're acting like an atheist. I close with this in the book of Revelation. The first thing that you will see when you leave this world and you go to a place called heaven. Turn to somebody and ask them, are, are you acting like an atheist in your little situation? Are you talking like an atheist? Are you praising like an atheist? Are you praying like an atheist? Because we need to act like people who believe God works all things. The purpose was there before the problem ever arrived. But here's my last little thing I want to say to you. It's, it touched me. I saw it. I saw myself going to heaven in my mind. And the first thing that our eyes will see in that land called Beulah, that city called New Jerusalem, will be gates of pearl. The Bible gives the measurements 360-something feet high, gates of pearl, 12 of them. That's the first thing that our eyes will see. Now, if you, if you open up your eyes after you die and you don't see gates of pearl, and here's, here, here's what's amazing is an oyster gets a, a piece of sand or a little chip of seashell inside the shell and it's an irritant. It's an aggravation. It's a hurt. And it will not go away. And at some point, I, I looked it up. It said it takes the agitation and begins to release secretion that begins to wrap coating after coating after coating, understanding I can't get rid of this. This is my situation. And... I'm, I, I, I just got to deal with this trouble. And so I might as well not just let this trouble be an, be an irritant, and be an aggravation and be, a, be a, a determining factor of my every day of my life. And so he begins to code it and begins to transform the trouble. Since this is my lot and this is what I've got, I'm going to transform my trouble into a pearl. And by transforming its trouble, it increases its value a thousandfold. Because the person who opens that oyster sees instead of an oyster what the oyster did with the irritant and the aggravation is a pearl. And he transformed his trouble. Now listen to me. When the Bible says that the gates of heaven 
are made of pearl and that's the first thing you see it simply means this that it will represent the people who transferred their troubles into a gateway to enter into God's presence they didn't let the trouble stop them. They didn't let the trouble kill them. They didn't let the trouble defeat them. But they learned how to cope that trouble and transform that trouble into a gateway through which we approach the present. It can get, and then you become a gateway for others because of the trouble you've gone through, the shame you've gone through, the pain you've gone through, the, the disasters you've gone through, you transform that trouble, bring it to the cross. Calvary can handle it. Jesus can handle it. And he says, I can transform trouble into pearls and you become the pearly gate through which people are introduced to a Savior who heals, who restores, who forgives, who turns it around. Clap your hands if you believe it, somebody. A gate. Transform your trouble into a gateway for other people to meet Jesus. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.